0: to episode 321 of the spokesman cycling podcast this show was engineered on sunday 5th of february 2023
1: the spokesman cycling roundtable podcast is brought to you by turn bicycles the good people at turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love in other words, they make the kind of bikes that they want to ride. Turn has e-bikes for every type of rider, whether you're commuting, taking your kids to school, or even carrying another adult. Visit www.turnbicycles.com, that's T-E-R-N, bicycles.com, to learn more.
0: I'm Colton Reed, and welcome to the 321st episode of The Spokesman Podcast, in which I chat with Anche von Diewitz, Managing Director of German hiking and biking company Vaude, or as you'll soon find out how it should be pronounced, Faudi. Anyway, in this 40 minute conversation, we talk about Faudi's stellar green credentials and how sustainability is now baked into the Faudi way. Of doing things can you please tell me the, the correct German pronunciation of your company name because'm I'm, I'm pretty sure that we get it wrong here um, but just tell us how you would pronounce it.
2: Okay the correct uh, pronouncing is Vd and Vd is the pronunciation of the two first letters of my last name von David, V and D and in German you would say Vd. Yes, and I'm not astonished so we, that you we, don't know we... how to pronounce it because that's a very current problem. <laughs> um, people say also "wood" and "faude" and "faude," but the correct pronunciation is "faudi."
0: Yes, yes, thank you for, for that. Now, now, um, <laughs> we definitely pronounce. I'm saying we here. Um, uh, the North American market, the Europe, the, the certainly the UK market will be pronouncing that with a with a hard V. So it's not that. So we can now pronounce your company name correctly. Okay, so I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> um, you make a ton of stuff. So you make uh, outdoor kit, basically, but bikes. So tell me about your bike kit and how long you've been making bike kit, whether it's it's been, you know, from, from when the company was founded.
2: Um, no, it was not when the company was founded. The company was founded in 1974. And we started out with backpacks. Um, that was the first product, backpack and climbing gear and about 10 years later we started with bike um first product was bike panniers because coming from the the main competence in back making backpacks the the switch to bike panniers what's not so far it uh, it uh, we uh, it required the same sort of competence um and we started with um um with waterproofed backpacks uh, waterproof panniers on our own machines so we have a little production here also uh, in
0: in germany where our headquarter is um, for for making bike pioneers how big is bike in the company how, how, how big a share is bike in, in amongst all of your your outdoor range um so we have a
2: turnover totally of 150 million euro from this year uh, from last year on and bike is is about 45% of that so it grew really heavily in the last years. Um, especially, um, so, so because we started out as being an outdoor company. So 10 years later, bi- we started with bike products and, and especially during the last three years, um, the bike segment was, was growing very strongly because of a new mobility, uh, the urge of people going out, outdoors also with a bike during Corona. So, Um, so we are almost up to 50 50 outer and bike
0: and is that is that where it's going it's it's that's the growth part of your business
2: um when i said the last three years (laughs) i was not really correct because the last year especially was not so good of a bike year uh, because it was probably in the uk also like this um there were a lot of bikes in the market and um uh, but and at the same time the bikes couldn't be sent out so um there's a lot of a liquidity problem in in the with the bike dealers, so uh, and as as um, having bike apparel and bike panniers and bike backpacks, this is the last the last product in a big chain. So if the bikes are not being sold, the other products are also not being sold. But I think last year was a very special year. Um, in general, I think outdoor and bike will now grow at the same pace. Because we are in times of of um, <laughs> of almost crisis every year, <laughs> and in times of crisis, people go outdoors, and people tend to look for their little escapes. Um, this is why I think bike and outdoor people look for that at the same time. Plus, bike is also um, what people are looking for in terms of a new new mobility a new greener and more sustainable uh m- mobility so i think um both both segments will grow this at the same pace
0: mm. now i have looked at your your company's csr you know corporate social responsibility report where you you, you do say you've got a a, a, a mobility plan so i'll, I'll get on to that uh, shortly but first of all i'd like i mean i have been very close uh to to where you're you're based because joe Beckendorf. The, the journalist, yep. when I used to get lifts mm-hmm. with, with him on um, going to and from bike, uh, the bike shows in, in Friedrichshafen, uh, he would often point out where you're based. So I know you're very rural. So you're you're mm-hmm. basically you're not far from Friedrichshafen. Uh, yes. you're 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 near Lake Constance or Bodensee, but you're in a mm-hmm. very very small village. So de- mm-hmm. just describe ha- where you are. <laughs>
2: um. We're close to the Lake Constance, which is at the Swiss Austrian German border. So we're in the very deep south of Germany. And when I look out of my window, which I do right now, I see the little church of our little village <laughs> where we are. We are in the in the middle of the on the countryside, close to the uh, Lake Constance, which is a good side, uh, which is a bad side for a company who needs in- infrastructure, <laughs> mm. but which is a good side for a company. um with employees that are outdoor and bike freaks because that's a really beautiful part of Germany where you have great outdoor experiences by bike, where you can
0: greatly go biking in the mountains or at the lake. So it was founded by your father basically in a a, a hops barn on a farm. And then you grew from that. (laughs) That's, that's true. Um, so we are now at Ober
2: Eisenbach and, uh, 50 years ago, he founded the company, one smaller village, a little close to here, Unter Eisenbach. And uh, indeed, in a, in a, in a, in a farmhouse. Um, in summertime, when the hop came in, um, we had to take all this, st- all the work, the, the, the warehouse had to be cleared for the hop possible to be to be uh, stored there. And two months later, the, <laughs> all the products could return to the warehouse uh, it, it within this farm farmhouse. So that was a very special founding uh, story
0: that VD has there. So you've grown up with this company. You know, quite quite literally, you've grown up with this company. Um, That's true. Yes, I was two years old when
2: the company started.
0: Yes. Now, so let's talk about you. So uh, you've managed the company since 2009 but describe your career before that because you have a doctorate and then Uh, you're a member of all of these incredible um german sustainable business associations all the the sustainability stuff that we're going to be talking about you know is very much embedded in in your corporate dna for you personally so so tell us a little bit about you and where you've come from from that two-year-old girl who who saw the company founded and how you've you've grown into the company
2: yeah, I think part of the story and part of uh, understanding my, my way of life is growing up here at the village site. Um, we were kind of an outsider, <laughs> or I felt like it, growing up, because it's very rural countryside, and um, the farmers here don't. At that time, they looked quite critical at, at entrepreneurs. So, uh, growing up to be not a farmer's daughter, but a daughter of of uh, of entrepreneur, um, was, was strange. They, um, people to me in, 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 the class were saying, Oh, probably he exploits people. He exploits probably children <laughs> to grow his hmm. business. And I grew up to know that, uh, um, confident, um, that trust is something you have to earn. Trust you can earn by transparency. And, um, to, to lead a company, you have to earn trust in order to, um, to feel good. <laughs> and, um, in order to earn trust, everything has to be all right worldwide. And, um, this is something that, that never left my, my mind. And when I grew up and, um, I, I didn't want to overtake the company. I, I, firstly, I wanted to work in NGOs like Greenpeace or WWF to, to, um, yeah, take, to, um, take responsibility in, in keeping this planet, a livable planet. And, um, so it was a surprise for me when my last traineeship that I did after a lot of traineeships within NGOs and media and, and all sorts of organizations and my last traineeship uh, during my studies was at VOD and it. And it hit me like a surprise that if I wanted to overtake responsibility for a livable planet, then I, I'm at, at, here at the right spot with a broad set of responsibilities, not only in making the products, but also in caring for the working conditions worldwide, in caring for the working conditions here at the headquarter, in, in overtaking responsibility, um, in the whole supply chain and in also politically as as, a, as an enterprise. So. So that's, mm. um, that's why, I, <laughs> that's why I ended up in the country, uh, in, the, in the company of my father, um, which also befitted me very, very well because I'm, a, I'm a very enthusiastic outdoor uh, lover.
0: What kind of stuff? What, what are you, what are you doing outdoors, Angie?
2: Um, I, I, I bike <laughs> and I hike. I love long distance. Um, um, so for example last last year when i turned 50 um i my my birthday present to myself was a 3 year a uh, 3 month um th- a 3 month hike <laughs> t- t- uh, through the alps uh, with with my backpack and going from hut to hut uh, every day 1000 uh, meters height and 15 kilometers distance for um, so total I I was I walked for 1100 kilometer and 60,000 meters in height so that's that's something I love
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. and using obviously all of your own products
2: I yes I I I use not all of them but I I really love to use them I love to have them in in practice yes
0: okay now so 2009 uh, when you you came in and, and started managing uh, the company and then did you start straight away at making the company climate neutral so it, it took until 2012 when when you got there and then you've been climate neutral worldwide since uh, 2022 last year um but describe how, how what you had to do when you joined the company to to make that switch when
2: I joined the company that was um, directly after my studies in 1998, um, um, I first worked in, in, in marketing and, and, and I, I firstly, I, uh, I was a product manager for, for, for new bags, for modern bags and packs. So that's the part where I started at. And when I um, overtook the company, um, that was in 2009, as you just mentioned. So that was much later. And I already knew a lot about how D and the way of how and so, um, and, and, and I, I was not the one that introduced sustainability to VOD. We had a long history already, and we had the history that we had an um, great, great singular pro- projects. For example, we had um, a whole collection made out of mono material, and a whole network of industry partners that could, first of all, um, take the returned uh, worn goods. Of this monomaterial collection, and then turn it into uh, new products. So we had a closed loop re- uh, recycling. Um, but when when we looked at it, when I overtook the company, and my my biggest goal was to turn this company totally into a green direction. We said, okay, this way was not successful. These singular products um, had a lot of effort for us, uh, uh, produced a lot of effort for us, produced a lot of work, a lot of cost, but. Um, We didn't get back so many used products. So the closed loop never really closed. (laughs) And, um, for me, I was very convinced that if we want to go a green way, if we want to, um, overtake responsibility holistically, it would not be the answer to do this in one project and another project, but we would have to do this totally entirely so we started out with um analyzing where is where we have responsibility and where should we um where should we act and we um found out that we have two different ways uh, two different points where we should overtake responsibility one is here at the headquarter at vd here at the southern germany and the other one is in, in the entire product cycle So we started out here at the headquarter. So where we, where our business unity is, where meanwhile 650 employees work. And, um, that was at the time in 2009 when the consciousness for sustainability was not very high, very high, neither at our, with our dealers or clients or customers, nor here at the headquarter with our employees. They were very skeptical because they saw the 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 more work the bureaucracy that would um that that was growing with um sustainable work and and they were not sure if this was uh, more than a marketing idea <laughs> so there was a lot of skepticism so we started out by by few things in the beginning uh, turning the coffee to to fair trade coffee or finally get a grip on on uh, the, the real, the garble how to collect the garbage here and stuff like that. And at the same time, we started out with EMAS. EMAS is the European management team. Um, how to, um, how to collect and, and measure all the emissions that you have, all the emissions and consumptions that you use at the headquarter. So all electricity, oil, stuff like that. And, and we, we measured this day by day by day for the entire year and then we 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 were able to find out okay where do we have the greatest emissions at the headquarter and then we began programs to cut them down so we changed our energy to to um uh renewable energy we had we have the whole roof of full with photos uh, um with um so solar panels um we cut down on our catalog with the paper catalog at that time was the most important marketing tool that we had. And, but we saw that this is also the second biggest source of emissions. So we cut, we cut that <laughs> turned only to digital versions. Um, and every use of paper was from then on in 100% recycled paper. And we found out that mobility is the third biggest cause here of, of emissions. So we created a whole mobility program where the best parking lots are not for the people of the management, but are for the people that share their car, for example, we got ourselves a, a, a whole bunch of e-bikes to lend out to our employees so that, that they could use the bike to come to work and created showers <laughs> so that they could shower when they come with a bike and, and stuff like that to get people, um, uh, to make people consider a choice not to come with a single car, but to come by bike, to come by bus, to share cars. And so we cut down dramatically on, on these emissions from, from mobility too. And in 2012, when we cut down, I think, by 70% of all emissions at the whole headquarter, we decided, okay, from that point on, we will still work on emissions, but at the same time, we will also compensate. So that, that means that since 2012, we are climate neutral at our headquarter.
0: Because you pay th- for offsetting
2: yeah that's right um we pay for offsetting we we um we have a partner my climate and um that means that all the emissions that at the headquarter we cannot uh, we cannot prevent um they are um they are turned um <laughs> into into uh, money and and we we spend money on projects on climate friendly pro- projects yeah but this is only the headquarter and then the biggest part was in the product cycle
0: I was gonna say, because the product cycle isn't, you know, you make some stuff um, in southern Germany, but that the bulk of your stuff is made in mostly in Vietnam. So right. uh, how tough is it to 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 green the supply side of your business? Yes. So, so <laughs> it's it's um,
2: it's a it's a huge task. It was it was an even huger task in 2009. That was why it was so important also to have the whole team behind this idea. It was very important for us that, to show it at, a, at our headquarter that we really mean it seriously and that it's good, that it feels like life quality to support sustainability. So stuff like the green mobility concept at our headquarter was strategically important to get our team on track and to fight for this idea of sustainability worldwide because this was a real big transformation process that we had to start on um we um, even though at that time in 2009 we were a rather a small company with with um 50 million euro turnover we still had a huge complexity we had um about 65 production sites we worked with um we had about 150 material suppliers we worked with and um our task force um our self-chosen task was to transform all of them. We created an own label, green shape, and um, that is uh, until today, like a meta label. That means only uh, in terms of materials, only certified uh, materials on the highest standards can approve to be green shape. And in order to, to get to the certifications, like blue sign, for example, we had to, to ask our, all of our suppliers to please audit in terms of, of, of blue sign, which is quite expensive. One audit costs €20,000 per year, and then you have to act on all the findings. Um, and we were a rather small, <laughs> small brand. That means they didn't make the big business with us. So it, in the beginning, it, it seemed like to be a really, really big task. And many of the production sites said said to, uh, said to us that they wouldn't do this for us. This was too much work. Oh, they said, okay, we do this for you. You pay the money. Um, mm-hmm. so we, we, and, and, so it was a, a difficult task on that one cent, on the one hand, to, to turn them, to, to convince them in the outside, and it was a difficult task on the inside, because for our product manager, the, 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 the task of product management totally changed. Um, before that time, they could just choose any material, and they could just choose any design. Now, in order to follow Green Shape, they have to start the design by showing that the design they have chosen is recyclable, is is able to be repaired. <laughs> then they have to cho- choose the material. And in the beginning, they said, "Okay, but we only have three materials that are in blue sign fabric. <laughs> do you want to make us? Do you want us to make products from just three different fabrics? That's not impossible. That's impossible." And they said, um, "It's." Um, the sales team says very clearly to us it cannot cost more because the consumer is not willing to pay more for sustainable but it costs so much more how how can we ever solve this so it was very very difficult to to get a grip on how to deal with these existential conflicting targets but, is, is but we, that, we managed now we managed uh, step by step. <laughs>
0: Has Um, that now changed in that consumers, it's now a selling point. So this this green shape, your label is now something you can use to actually earn more money because you can sell more products because you are a greener company. Is that something that you now see consumers coming to you for?
2: Yes, I, th- I see two points. I, I'll come to the consumer in a, in a in a second. First is that that the start was very difficult, and it's still difficult. But in the beginning, it felt like okay, we will never be innovative because we have such a huge mountain of work to go step by step, and uh, and this has changed completely. Our our um, very strong focus on sustainability has become an an innovation pusher <laughs> um we we now make bike panniers from from a plastic garbage we make a uh, functional apparel from um recycled tires and so on and so on we we really this this has has been an enormous pusher on 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 innovation innovation for us and um for the consumer in the beginning we always heard the consumer doesn't ask for that, and it was slowly, slowly changing. Step by step, it was changing, and now, um, especially in the, especially when the Fridays for Future, were, were we coming um, something of a thing? Um, the conscious, the global, the European consciousness was rising very highly, and the and the the will to overtake responsibility as a consumer was was um, you can you could feel it that there was no more interest. And, and now in times of Corona again. So, um, and, and the more the, the global crisis, different global crises, are being evident for consumers out there, the more the, the willingness to, to first of all, overtake responsibility for themselves in their consumption. And secondly, also to pay a little bit more for that is, is rising. You can really feel it. So it helps us a lot to be recognized as a very sustainable brand and to, to have a, uh, um, have a credibility as a sustainability brand. That that helps us a lot to, to, uh, to always grow stronger than the rest of the market.
0: I'm going to interrupt Anje there
1: and go across to my colleague David for a quick commercial break. Hello, everyone. This is David from the Fredcast and, of course, the spokesman. And I'm here once again to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at TURN build bikes that make it easier for you to replace car trips with bike trips. Part of that is being committed to designing useful bikes that are also fun to ride. But an even greater priority for TURN is to make sure that your ride is safe and worry-free. And that's why TURN works with industry-leading third-party testing labs like EFBE and builds its bikes around Bosch e-bike systems, which are UL certified for both electric and fire safety. So before you even zip off on your turn, fully loaded and perhaps with a loved one behind, you can be sure that the bike has been tested to handle the extra stresses on the frame and the rigors of the road. For more information, visit www.turnbicycles.com to learn more. And now back to the spokesman.
0: Thanks, David. And let's get back to Anchi of Faudi. So, so green shape is your own certification label that you, you, yes. you, you use, but then you've yes, got, you know, so. you, then you've got green button, which is a, that's a national scheme. Yes, for Fabrics, a national, a German scheme for fabrics. Then you've got, I mean, you've mentioned my climate before, which is a Swiss certification scheme. And then you're also a member or you get certification from fair wear. So mm-hmm. that's like, you know, fair trade, almost uh, making sure that your, your, your supply chain is, is uh, the practices are, are good practices. So just describe how those certification schemes fit into your business.
2: Um, okay, as you just mentioned, green shape is our own. It's like a meta label, which is, um, which is of, I think, the highest standard that, that is any certification out there, any standard out there, because it, it's very broad and very, very deep. <laughs> uh, what, what, um, in order to become a green shape product. Um, and almost 90% of our whole products is in green shape. In, 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 in has a Green Shape label, and um, when three years ago the German government said they want to also make a meta label, the Green Button, um, we got Green Shape recognized as 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 being um, so every product that we have that has the Green Shape label automatically gets the Green Button label of the German government because um, our. Con- um, it's, it's stricter than, than the, the green button. So that does that. And you mentioned fairware. Fairware is also included in green shape. So, um, all of our products are fairware products. That means all of our productions, 100% are audit, are being audited, um, by, by, in, in, in the terms of, of green, uh, of, of fair wear. Um, so, um, b- that's, that's, um, that's the very strictest, um, label or standard for working conditions worldwide in the textile industry. So if you look for fair products, you have to look for fairware textile products. And no, no
0: sweatshops, that kind of thing.
2: No sweatshops, no, no, no children, no work of children. Um, um, they are uh, in, in fairware. You have to fight for, um, existential wages. That means, uh, um, wages that, that, that you can not only minimum wages but living wages, wages that help people to really survive with the family and uh, not to uh, send the children to work, but send the children to school. That 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 um, make it possible to have a, li- a real life with a family. So that's mm-hmm. much higher than just minimum wages, and that's something that every every brand that uh, is part of of um, Fairware has to work for to really reach this. So it's a very strict and and a good standard because it's a continuous working progress that you have to prove year by year through the out aud- audits and also also through the audit for your own company. So we are audited every year. Um, you have to prove that you really give the best and you really put a lot of effort in in um, co- uh, supporting all the companies, the production sites to to make a. To, to create good
0: uh, working conditions. So you could be more profitable if you didn't aspire to these standards. So if you didn't have the fair wear, if you didn't have to meet those, those, those criteria, you, you could earn more money. Yes.
2: <laughs> that's, that's rather strange, isn't it? It's, it's much more difficult and much more expensive to overtake responsibility than not to do it. That's a strange world we're in. But it's true. Um, but from an economical point of view, it's still it's, it's still worth to um to follow this sustainable path because um, uh, it helps your brand image, it helps to really um focus on a good way. <laughs> Um, it convinces your own team that they're working for a purpose um so it helps you to get to get good team members of your own team it helps you to to sell your products more and more so it helped it helped us to grow stronger to to be a really strong brand and a strong company and um, but at the same time we needed this growth <laughs> in order to finance the transformation mm-hmm. which costs so much
0: so mm-hmm. So, going back to your 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 very very beautiful rural location uh, on your um, online on your website on the, for you've got a specialist website just on your CSR your corporate social responsibility. It, it says, and I'm quoting here: uh, "Due to our rural location, most employees have to commute longer distances to work. Now, we can't force anyone to give up their car, but we can provide." incentives. So what are those incentives?
2: Um, The incentives is, I mentioned that before a little bit, the incentives um, are not of of a financial (laughs) um, sort, but they are um, the best parking spots are for people who share their cars, for example. So um, we in uh, um, eight years ago, We just sort of um, um, made 60 parking spots disappear and uh, made in the inner circle of our, of our campus here at uh, where we have our company. There is now a, a green area with a climbing wall and no. No 60 parking spots, so we have not so many parking spots here. So, park a parking spot is something really valuable. <laughs> you have to walk a long distance from from another place to here uh, if you come late in the in the day. So, uh, a close close to the company parking spot is something very valuable. The best parking spots are for the people that share their car, so that is an incentive. Another incentive not to take your own car is um, when you come by bike. You can you can without cost you can lend a bike here from us uh, with with e-motor so so you can get up, um, over the hills it's very hilly region and get here then you can shower here you can have, you have a parking spot uh, close to the company uh, under the roof to park your own bike and um, we have also you can also acquire a bike very very cheaply um, because we have connections and you can use the connections um, to to get a, a, a to to own a bike by yourself so we help people to, to get good bikes um, and, and and to ride the bike. And it's becomes some sort of a, a social incentive too, because here are a lot of bikers <laughs> and it's sort of a status if you bike here uh, and, and not so much of a status if you have a big car. And um, we also have um, some sort of a mobility um, uh, lotto. So every week, um with the help of a, a coincidence generator um somebody is is chosen and um he is he or she is asked oh so how did you come to, to work today and then if if it's in a sustainable way by bike or by bus or whatsoever um he gets a nice prize and um a nice award and is um and is shown in our internet with a nice picture in a winning post so uh, it helps to to keep the 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 topic of green mobility in everybody's mind and it helps to get get out little incentives to to make people think about or change their way of of coming to
0: work because that's slightly easier if you were in a an urban location you'd you'd have lots of bike paths you'd have lots of buses and trams and all sorts of you know what, what europeans come to expect but you're not in an in a, a urban location you're out in the in the farmland so that must be That's tougher true. for you than it would be That's- for if you were in, in, in a in a large city
2: yeah that, that that's true because in the beginning we we didn't even have a bus stop here so no buses were were coming to our countryside <laughs> so uh we also had to lobby and to co- cooperate with uh, the local bus provider and the city and the country to to make it possible that we have a bus that is coming here to the company so um i guess you have other tasks, more tasks infrastru- of infrastructural nature if you're a company that is sustainable in the countryside because there's not a lot not of infrastructure here. We have to provide for
0: our infrastructure. Do you, ha- do you have bike paths close to your,
2: your place? And now since I think five years we have bike paths, yes.
0: And was that because where you're situated? So the, the, the municipality or the locality put these bike paths in because you were lobbying for this or they're just putting these in in general
2: no that that was part of a bigger plan (laughs) So, so we were just very happy that we finally got
0: them right okay now um so that's 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 the travel that you can you can sort of almost control but business travel is much more difficult to control because obviously if you've got you know plants you, you, you're having to fly to to vietnam etc but talk about your your policy because on the csa uh, report it talks about how you know car travel you know cannot be made by car if it's over 400 kilometers and then if it's you 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 you, you know 600 kilometers And, you know, you're not going to fly, you're going to go by train, especially within Germany, Switzerland or Austria. So how do you police that?
2: Um, It's it's it has become a rule that we won't take a plane within Germany uh, or the German speaking countries. We all take the train. And how how did we manage everybody to go on this check? By um, taking this rule very seriously for the whole management team, so I don't take the plane. I I take the I take the the train to Berlin, and that's a that's a travel of about eight hours from here. <laughs> um, we just got very used to um, use this time very efficiently. We work in the in the train. We have very normal business meetings in the train, <laughs> and uh, it has become um, it has become. Sort of a n- normal situation for, for all of us. Um, you have to understand that for us, we, since, since last year, we're climate neutral in the, for the whole, for everything worldwide that we do. That doesn't mean that we have with, that we managed to get all emissions down to zero, but we are working on this very, very heavily according to the science-based targets. And the rest that we cannot, um, prevent, we compensate. But that means that every emission counts for us. And, and we take this so seriously because we understand, we understand the serious situation of the climate change. And we, we, the whole team is very often talking about it. We talk about the crisis that is out there of the, of the very, Serious situation. We, we are really dedicated to keep this planet alive for our children and, and the, and the coming generations. So every time we can overtake responsibility, it is clear that we do this. It's, it's, it's just become normal and it's sort of absurd that we w- would take a plane if we can take a train. <laughs> so, um, so with the same, with the same, with the same responsible approach, it is very clear that, that we have a canteen here that serves vegetarian food. Okay. We, we have one day left where we, where we eat meat, but the rest of the days are, are vegetarian because this is something where we can act, where we can to overtake responsibility to not, um, to, to cut down on emissions. And, and, then and you're, you're... I think it's, it's, it's still, it's, it's still, I, it, I make it probably sound too easy because this has been a transformation process for us too. Mm in mobility and in eating, but it's for Faudé and for the whole team of Faudé, everybody understands it, that it's clear a clear step for Faudé because it makes so much sense because we're dedicated to sustainability. We're dedicated to keeping this place, this world a wonderful place. So everybody is like, okay, we understand. It's still not easy. We, we still sometimes hate it, but we understand. So that makes transformation process within the company easier.
0: Because you 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 have very strict policies, it appears, on on a business travel trip. You know you you should only get a taxi, for instance. You know if there's a few of you and it's only a certain distance, you can go in a in a taxi, and then you're meant to be using you know bike share, scooter share, whatever in cities. So that's embedded in your mobility policy. The the fact that when you go somewhere on business travel, you've still got to travel. Um, in, in a sustainable fashion.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's true. <laughs> yeah, I'll no, i never take a taxi. I always uh, take the subway or, or walk uh, when I when I get uh, into a town. That is. That also has become normal. Because it, so it's normal it was,
0: for you, yeah. but what about
2: new, new
0: people team. coming into the company? That that where they get you know expense accounts, where they will try fly everywhere, they'll get taxes everywhere. Is that strange for other people? Are you changing people? How, how do people who are coming into your company s- look at your policies?
2: Um, it was more difficult for the people who, who already have been at the company because for them it has been a tra- transformation process. They had to, um, they, <laughs> there was a lot of discussion why they should now uh, not take a plane anymore or why they shouldn't take a taxi or whatever. For people that come into FODI, that come newly into FODI, for them, it's, they have chosen FODI as their favorite employer because we follow values that they support. So it's much easier with new uh, employees that have chosen us um, very consciously than it was in the beginning to change uh, policy for the people that already have worked here.
0: Thanks to Anche Thon Divits there. And thanks to you for listening to episode 321 of the Spokesman Podcast, brought to you in association with Turn Bicycles. Show notes and more can be found at the-spokesman.com. The next episode will be a chat with another inspirational businesswoman. But meanwhile, get out there and ride.